I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. It is so good to have you along on Inside Sources today. I'm Doug Wright, filling in for the next couple of weeks. And uh, I was reading a story, I was chatting with our producer about this, and I thought we have really got to get into this kind of the rise in hate crimes, anti Semitism, white supremacy, things that are so disturbing around the world, but right here in the good old U.S. of, of A. and we were reading a little bit about an event that happened at the Jewish Community Center, and Jay Jacobson is joining us right now, and I so appreciate uh, him being on the program. And he is the chair of the Anti-Semitism and Community Relations Task Force of the United Jewish Federation of Utah. Mr. Jacobson, it's a real pleasure and an honor to have you here in the studio. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Doug. I was just mentioning to you that uh, for the first time, I was on the continent. Well, not the first time. One time I just spent a day or so in Paris as we were anticipating going to uh, to London. But I had the chance recently, very recently, to walk through the Anne Frank House. I had the chance to visit Gestapo headquarters in Cologne, Germany. And there's something about being there. There's something about standing on that ground. There's something about standing in the courtyard where 400 people were either shot or hung at Gestapo headquarters that sobered sobered me to my soul. And I've been aware of some of the things, obviously, that have been happening in our country and around the world. But coming back, my tolerance for it, I, I always thought it was at zero anyway. It's sub-zero at this point. How in the world is this happening in our country today? And what effect is it having on everyone, but particularly the Jewish community here in Utah? Well, I think one of the things that's frightening about hate crimes is they never affect even one individual if one individual is targeted. They always affect the entire community that shares those characteristics. So if someone is assaulted because of their race, you have to assume that everyone in that race is troubled by that behavior. If it happens repeatedly, people grow afraid. They're afraid to be in public if they're of a religious community. They're afraid to declare their religion by what they wear. And they're even afraid to go to services when they read that people like them have been attacked within the walls of a religious institution. I was reading some of the statistics, and you have them condensed here, which I really appreciate you brought in with you. But I've been reading about this in articles. But 78 hate crimes reported right here in Utah in 2017. 7,175 hate crimes reported across the United States in 2017. 
It's a 17.2% increase since 2016, a 22.7% increase since 2015 nationally. In Utah, 18.2% increase since 16, 66% increase since 2015. And I'll tell you, this is what really bothers me more than anything. Hate crime incidents up 22% in the last two years in the United States. As we've already mentioned, 66% in two years in the state of Utah. And you can't help but ask, what's happened over the last two years? What has maybe changed over the last two years? We always talk about the political rhetoric. We talk about some of the outrageous things that we hear from high levels of government and even the highest level of government. Is that it? I mean, the last two years is fairly well defined. Uh, It's a period of sharp increase, the sharpest increase we've seen. You gave the numbers for overall hate crimes, but since 2015, the increase in anti-Semitic incidents is up almost 100%. So within the universe of hate crimes, my community has been particularly targeted. It's probably important to mention in the United States, the largest category for hate crimes would be race and ethnicity. Mm -hmm. Within religion, which is somewhere between 20 and 30%, the Jewish religion is the one most often targeted, but we're not alone. We're at a period when members of other religions, uh, you would certainly understand uh, response to Muslims, but even the LDS church community has experienced crimes of hatred and violence. When you say why, I think you probably realize it's tremendously complicated, and it's certainly not limited to the United States. But in many other countries and our own, we've seen a rise in nationalism, and in prejudice against minorities. And I think that our concern is much larger than just ourselves because we're witnessing, as you cited, an increase in crimes directed at many groups. And here in Utah, we've seen violent crimes directed against our Hispanic neighbors Mm -hmm. and uh, people from the LGBTQ community. I think, too, you know, you mentioned uh, even for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I think of some of the graffiti. I think of some of the vandalism, some of the break-ins that have occurred. Uh, they they have they have increased. I when when I was a kid, I don't remember hearing those things. I don't remember hearing a lot of things when I was a kid. And sometimes I ask, well, is that just because we're ignoring them or reporting on them? I always ask that question. You know, the the horse or the cart uh, came first. But something indeed has changed over the last not just several years but maybe has come to a bit of a crescendo during the last several years. I look at white supremacy groups. I look at some of the, uh, it wasn't all that long ago, even down in, in my beloved little community of Eureka. And, you know, we were just passing out some Christmas gifts and I knocked on the door of one. I won't give any details here, but when the individual that opened the door is uh, bare chested, this was right before Christmas, bare chested with a great big swastika, that was uh, basically tattooed into his chest. I mean, it wasn't subtle at all. It just knocked me back on my heels. How can this be happening in our great nation? How can it be happening in the world after the lessons we learned? How can it be happening here in, in Utah? And, and I don't have the answer. Yeah. Um, 
I think the answers are always complex. It's good to remember that even before the Second World War, it wasn't clear that these were things that were happening everywhere. But for different people, I think our memories are very different. I'm glad that you didn't experience that as a child. But people in the African-American community can't say the same. That's right. And people in the Jewish community can't say it. And many people in other minorities have a long experience with it. Notable, I think, is that it's going up. And that's what your question's addressed. I think there really are many reasons for that. One might be that when people feel threatened, either truly or mistakenly believe that they're threatened, they're very likely to be reactive and angry at the groups that are blamed Mm -hmm. uh, for the threat. And I think we've gone through an experience now, particularly with the Internet, where threats and misinformation are widely, widely shared. And some people who have used that as their primary source are convinced, I think, that they're under attack. And so what you see is a very angry response, but tragically, to an unreal threat. We have just a second, maybe 15, 20 seconds left. Was anything notably accomplished in the gathering at the Jewish Community Center the other night? Absolutely. Um, It was a wonderful event and gave us a chance to thank uh, our state representative who collaborated with uh, uh, Senator Thatcher, a Republican, in passing finally for Utah the Hate Crimes Sentencing Enhancement Bill. We also heard from the district attorney who's pleased to have that tool to enable him to prosecute such crimes and to signal to vulnerable communities that the state is as concerned as we are when groups are singled out by reason of race, color, or sexual preference. Mr. Jacobson, I so appreciate you joining us on Inside Sources. Thank you for being with us today. We're going to also talk, speaking of the legislature here in Utah, we're going to talk with Representative Tree Sarant a little later on in the program about this as well. And once again, we're so pleased to have Mr. Jacobson join us. He is the chair of the Anti-Semitism and Community Relations Task Force, United Jewish Federation of Utah. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said... You need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, I can't believe how quickly this uh, day has gone by. We're in our final half hour. Don't forget. At the top of the hour, we are going to tap into ABC. Speaker Pelosi expected to formally announce impeachment inquiries getting underway. 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 o'clock our time. A little earlier on the program, uh, Mr. Jay Jacobson joined us, the chair, Anti-Semitism and Community Relations Task Force, United Jewish Federation of Utah. Very interesting conversation with him and some of the statistics 
that he shared with us were really frightening in the country and here in the state of Utah, and not just regarding the Jewish community, regarding minorities in general. Even the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has had some, uh, you know, hate uh, uh, symbolism and words that have been uh, vandalizing some of the buildings and so on. Nobody seems to be immune nowadays. And I, I'm very pleased that someone who was my representative for a period of time uh, since I moved uh, she is not my direct representative, but I'll always consider her one of my favorite legislators, and that's Patrice Arendt, who joins us on the line right now. Patrice, welcome. Good to have you here. Thank you. I'm so glad that you had Dr. Jacobson speak earlier. He's very knowledgeable on this. Now, he was a delight, and and honestly, I've I've said this for years and years and years. I Sometimes I wish the off-air conversation could go on the <laughs> on the air. And and it it we normally try to bring it in, but uh, he and I had just a great conversation as he was walking out of the studio as well. And it's been the same thing with you and uh, me over the years. I'd like to get your thoughts on what, first of all, tra- transpired at the Jewish Community Center this past Sunday evening and what some of the perhaps bright rays are amidst all of these startling statistics of prejudice, hate uh, crimes, uh, anti-Semitism. What happened last Sunday night? Well, we had a wonderful meeting. The topic was Voices Against Hate, and it was sponsored by the United Jewish Federation and also the Anti-Defamation League, which many people may not be familiar with. It's an anti-hate organization. In fact, our hate crimes bill in Utah is based on one of their models. ADL started out in 1913, I think, in response to some really escalating climate of anti-Semitism. But today they're, they fight all kinds of hate. And so they have an expert, uh, a woman that came in, Jacqueline Ragev, and she is spending the week talking to students and student leaders, teachers, people all over to try and educate them because education is really the key here to helping people understand what what is biased language, what happens. We had a student speak, and we had a number of people speak. It was great. Sim Gyor, our district attorney, was there, Nate Salazar from the Board of Education in Salt Lake City. We had a student who'd experienced some really horrible anti-Semitic actions just down the street from where I live at Wasatch Junior High. And very sad, but the Anti-Defamation League came in to help educate students. Unfortunately, it was after she ended up changing schools. But I don't think people recognize some of the fear that goes through the community when people do these actions, when they, when they carve a swastika on someone's desk or school building when they require a student who's Jewish for a part of a class project that come in and, and wear, like in, in World War II, a Star of David on their patch on their arm. I don't think they understand that. In fact, most students I talk to don't even know what the Holocaust was. That is so frightening and, and so unbelievable for me to think that if you mention the word Holocaust, that somebody won't immediately boot something up. Uh, Patrice, hold on just one second. We are going to get a, an update right now from our news department. And I understand we have a verdict. Kara, what, what have we got here? Yes, Doug. So we've learned that Alex Whipple, the uncle of Shel- Lizzie Shelley, has been sentenced to serve life in prison. Overall, he'll serve life, life in prison with no parole. He was also sentenced to three more three more sentences of 25 years to life. Those will be conserved consecutively. So Alex Whipple will spend the rest of his life in prison. I appreciate that update. And boy, what a, what a tragedy that was. And we're all, you know, we reel when we hear things like that. And uh, hopefully 
justice has been done. Patrice, I, I mentioned this to uh, to Jay Jacobson, and I, I recently, as you know, uh, D and I went to to Europe, and I'd I'd been to Paris just for a couple of days, and I'd been to London, but I'd never really kind of traveled the continent. And I did that with a lot of great people from Utah. And some of the things I saw there, there is something particularly, um, you, you think you might understand something. You think that you pretty much know the history. But until you stand in the Anne Frank home or until you stand in Gestapo headquarters in Cologne, Germany, and until you stand in the little tiny, tiny uh, square in the back of Gestapo headquarters, this little courtyard where 400 people were either hung or shot in the back of the head. You, you just can't really fathom it. And, and as I was walking up the stairs in the Anne Frank home and realized, you know, the, the people that went up and down those stairs and the people that were helping them and the family members and so on. Then I walked up and down the steps in the uh, Cologne Gestapo headquarters, and I realized the jackbooted thugs that had dragged people of all backgrounds, whether they were just uh, anti-Nazi, whether they were Jewish, whether they were a businessman that was thought to have gone astray, whether it was somebody that just was uh, under interrogation. It sobered me to my core, and it is so distressing to me to think that in some places, some places, we're actually backsliding right now. What in the world is going on with us, and not just in the United States, but around the world? I wish I could answer that. I think that the tone that's being set by some people has made it more, I don't know, socially acceptable to say some of these horrible things, to act out on these horrible ideas. I mean, people have a right to hate. This is They have the right for free speech, but some of the actions that they are taking is it's just truly scary. And I've been to some of the places you're talking about. I visited a concentration camp, and, you know, there are more neo-Nazis today than there were at the beginning of World War II, people that would identify themselves as that, or white supremacists. And it is truly, truly scary. Um, you know, I think education is so important because, we, you know, we have to be, and, and actually taking, and again, taking action. The fact that we have an enforceable hate crimes law on the books in Utah is a very important message to all of us. I, I couldn't agree with you more, and we've got to do something. And, you know, do we have the right to hate somebody? Do we have the right to have certain thoughts in our head? Yes. But when you start spewing them and you start acting on them, and you said something that I think that is so important, and this this is so distressing to me. So many of these rates of hate crimes have gone up so dramatically just in the last two years. We've been on a little trend upward, but it has just spiked. Over 99% in three years in the United States. Isn't that incredible? That's just anti-Semitism. Yeah. And you talk about the attacks, and you look at attacks on places like our synagogues and our mosques and in, our, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and their wards. And, you know, yeah. it's just it's horrendous, and it's so sad, and it sends fear throughout the community. When someone does something like that, it, it isn't just... It's not just that person. It's the whole community. At my synagogue, you know, we're going into high holy days, and one of the things we're doing is the security is really strict, and we all pay an extra assessment. I think it was $100 I just paid to have security there. Yeah. Uh, you probably remember this, but it was years ago, and I can't remember if it was in a state-of-the-state state address or whether it was 
in uh, one of Governor Levitt's uh, inaugural addresses, but he talked about the the uh, economics of virtue, and he laid out the idea that imagine if this wasn't happening, how much less it would cost us to run our government. Imagine if we were honest. Imagine if we were decent. Imagine if we abided by the law. Imagine if we weren't doing this. How much this kind of activity, this kind of hate costs our individual communities, how much it costs taxpayers. It's just an embarrassment to our society. And sadly, again, Maybe these thoughts have been embedded deep down, but people have realized it is so inappropriate to say it. Maybe they have been decent enough or maybe, uh, you know, afraid of the backlash to actually say some of these things because it was deemed to be so inappropriate. But because of some of the loose, crazy stuff we hear at the highest levels of even government and highly placed people in our society, it somehow has taken the lid off this stuff that we did have somewhat under control. I can't imagine any other president in the history of our United States saying some of the things that we've heard recently, and I certainly think that is part of it. But we have to combat that. We can't just allow that to happen. We can't allow these kids to be scared to go to school, to have to change schools because of you know, horrible actions and hate. Um, I love one of the quotes that was used at the session at the, the Jewish Community Center. The world will not be destroyed by those who do evil but by those who watch them without doing anything. And that's from Albert Einstein. And so we all have to be involved in the solutions and doing the right things. It's very similar. I, to, I wear a pin almost every day, and it says civility. Yeah, it's very similar to Edmund Burke. You know, the only thing it takes for evil to triumph is for good men, good people, to do nothing. Patrice, thank you for joining us on the show today. I always enjoy our conversation. Thank you, Doug. Representative Patrice Arendt with us here at KSL News Radio. When we come back, we'll have just a few minutes. We'll kind of wrap up. We'll uh, share some of the texts that have come in. We'll talk about some of the comments that also have come in on our Utah Community Credit Union KSL uh, text line at 57500. So stay with us. And don't forget, Nancy Pelosi expected to formally announce impeachment coming up or an impeachment inquiry in about 13 minutes. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.